Welcome to Public Safety Talk Radio, the podcast for all of our heroes of public safety, including law enforcement professionals, firefighters, EMTs, corrections officers, healthcare workers, and more. The show is produced by the POCUA and is founded upon its soundness initiative. This episode is sponsored by the finest service organization, a provider of line of duty death loan protection through many of our POCUA institutions. I am Ken Bader, your host for Public Safety Talk Radio, and I have a very intriguing guest, uh, a a guest that I don't think we will have uh, again or definitely didn't have before uh, with some really interesting insight and angles. Let me tell you a little bit about her. Her name is Lori Morrison, and she is a private investigator and a podcaster. She does the, the Unlovely Truth podcast, which is an awesome show. She claims to be a pretty ordinary person. Uh, but I know that she's she's nothing like ordinary, uh, having written for Podcast Magazine for a couple of years now and covered the unlovely truth. I know that she has a real niche out there and is doing something really special. I can go on and on about Lori, but let's talk to Lori. Lori, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me on, Ken. It's a pleasure to be here. <laughs> My pleasure is all mine. I've got to know you over the last month, and it, it's been a privilege um, writing the article on the unlovely truth. And for my audience out there that loves true crime podcasts and wants something a little bit different, take a look at December's issue of Podcast Magazine. And I don't remember the page number, but I think it's one of the first ones. Thumb through and get to the article on the unlovely truth. You'll learn a lot about the podcast and Lori, but let's learn a little bit more about her here. You know, you know, I guess the biggest question, especially for a show like this, where we dig into different realms of public safety, you know, we've never had a private investigator before. You know, what what was the wild hair that said, hey, I'm going to be a private investigator? Tell us about that. Wild hair is definitely the way to describe it. I had had jobs kind of on the periphery of the criminal justice system and, and inside it a little bit for years. I'd worked in a probation department. I had... Um, got my paralegal certification, worked as a paralegal, worked in a domestic violence court, and a lot of interesting stories from that time. And then one day I was watching the news and my attention was drawn to this story of a young woman who had gone missing, she'd been kidnapped, and my heart just went out to that family because that girl was about the same age as my oldest daughter, and she even looked a little bit like her. And I thought, oh, my goodness, what if that had been been my daughter? And the, the case dragged out for several years before they found her body, before they were able to prosecute the men who had attacked her. But on a follow-up news story where they were getting ready to sentence some of these men, they focused on a private investigator that the family had hired when they felt the case wasn't quite moving along the way they wanted it to. And it was a woman, which was intriguing to me, and she didn't live very far from me. And so I got this insane thought into my head, I will just contact her and I will say, I love what you do and I want to help. And so that's what I did. And thankfully, she did not think that I was a crazed lunatic. We actually went out to lunch and uh, hit it off. And so I started helping her. She was getting ready to put together um, a presentation, actually on some of her cold cases. 
And the more I worked with her, she, she finally said she was so generous with her time and, and teaching me things. And she said, you know, you could do this. And I thought, hmm, maybe I could. Yeah. And since I am kind of competitive. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this better than you. <laughs> yeah. So I thought, yeah, I'm going to do this. And it turned out I absolutely love it. And she also talked me into being a podcaster. So, that you know, the, this lady's very convincing. But it, it became for me, how do I have an impact on people? How can I help people in a greater way than I am right now? And so that's why I got involved with that. That's why I love podcasting, um, because I want to kind of deputize people that are listening. You know, if I can do this, you can do this. You don't have to be a PI, but there's other ways that you can help with public safety, too. Yeah. Yeah. And she probably did think you were a crazed lunatic, <laughs> but but her kind of crazed lunatic. There you go. There you go. <laughs> to use use a, a semi quote from one of the best Christmas movies ever made, Die Hard 2. Anyhow, <laughs> uh, <laughs> and even though this will probably come out in January, I will say this now. Die Hard and Die Hard 2 are Christmas movies. If you think otherwise, you are wrong. Um, but anyhow, let's get back to the subject at hand. You know, going back to the the passion and motivation to be a private investigator. Um, you know, obviously, we love our police officers and all law enforcement on public safety talk radio. But one of the positive things that I have seen over the course of the last at least two, maybe three years or so is uh, is a lot of civilians, whether they actually do uh, the crazed lunatic thing, is becoming a private investigator and going whole hog, um, or, you know, getting involved in these podcasts. You know, I, I can give plenty of examples of podcasts that have helped to solve cold cases, uh, that have helped to, to, to find people, that have helped families. And as much as I love our law enforcement, uh, I know that they're very taxed, uh, that they're very short on resources. Um, and I do believe well over 90% of them want to do a great job. They want to solve these cases, uh, but don't always have the resources. I'll use it again, even though it's redundant. The, the resources, the time, the energy, the, the money to really dig into this. And all of the great police officers I've talked to you know, really do appreciate what podcasters, private investigators, and so forth are doing to help uh, in, in getting these cases solved. Have you experienced any of that as well? Or, is, or am I just going off the rails here like I always do on my show? <laughs> oh, I, I think you're exactly right. And it, it depends. You know, there's always going to be people in every industry that are not pulling their weight. And so a lot of times that's when private investigators get involved if the family thinks that that is an issue on their case. But I interviewed for my podcast a detective who was actually forming kind of this little experimental group mm -hmm. of civilians, people with different backgrounds to look over cases and just to see, is there something in their background, in their life experience, in their knowledge that they can pick up out of a case file that nobody else noticed? Because that, that really does happen. And 
I, I would love to see more police groups that would work with selected individuals just from the general public because I think we're all smarter together than any one of us is alone. I, I hate the trope of the lone wolf PI. I've got a group of PIs that I am so incredibly blessed to work with. And sometimes we'll actually do a case together, but a lot of times we'll just be like, you know, hey, I've had this happen. What do you guys think of this? Yeah. And they always give unbelievable insights. And so I think the more we can find ways to work together, it's going to be better for everybody. Yeah, I agreed. This this may be a bit of a naive question because I've never been in law enforcement and I've never been a private investigator. I just you know sit here and podcast and talk to people that you know do real work like yourself. Um, <laughs> it, it, are there things that a private investigator can do that police officers just can't because of? Yeah, the law or because of you know, the politics or, or, or other aspects of the job of being in law enforcement that they're just a little bit tied up to do that a private investigator or a civilian actually can do and get a little bit more headway on? Well, I love that you brought up the politics of it. Um, I try not to be a political person because I think there's crazy people in both parties agreed <laughs> and i think we need to stop and ask ourselves more often do we want to be right or do we want to be effective mm -hmm. and i'm going to fall hopefully most of the time on the side of let's be effective yeah and so to me if using civilians can be more effective or using a pi can be more effective you know for me and there's plenty of women officers now, but being a female, people will talk to me, they'll let their guard down a little bit more. And so I think, you know, the female part, the not having a uniform part, I can maybe come across as less intimidating. Um, I don't know that there are things that I can do that they can't um, and still be effective, you know, going around grabbing evidence, you know, there's there's chains of custody, there's issues like that. Um, and there's, of course, that old bugaboo of things being admissible in court. Mm -hmm. So people tend to forget, you know, but we know this about this person, we know that about that person. Yes, but we can't get it into court. And so I always try to be very, very cognizant of not messing up what the police mm -hmm. are trying to do. But again you know if we just work together and say i don't have to be right you don't have to be right we just need to be effective to get answers for these families that should be everybody's goal yeah yeah that's a great point and uh, i really like what you said about the non or lesser intimidation factor um that that can be added by somebody that isn't in uniform or carrying uh, a law enforcement badge. Um, I've heard that from other podcasters before in that they're, they're just investigative journalists in a sense, in, in trying to have a conversation and get to, 
a a result uh, rather than seemingly and and not all police officers are intimidating or trying to be intimidating but sometimes that badge or even that uniform you know will will do that so i've heard that before and sometimes you can get a little bit farther in a conversation with somebody um than somebody that that is in law enforcement Coming this March 27th through the 29th, 2022 in Savannah, Georgia, is the first Public Safety Business Summit, a program specifically created for organizations that serve first responders. What you will experience is a high level of networking and collaboration among like-minded leaders who are in the business of serving first responders. What you won't get are a series of boring lectures with no interactivity, ridiculous golf outings that are only appealing to a few attendees, or a couple of retreaded subjects that you can hear at any credit union league event that are just thrown into the curriculum. We offer an engaging agenda where attendees even help to determine the content during the actual conference based on their unique needs. If you run a business, a credit union, or a nonprofit that specifically serves first responders, then the Public Safety Business Summit is for you. For more information, go to www.policecreditunions.com or call 331-300-9889. We hope to see you in Savannah on March 27th, 28th, and 29th of 2022. Speaking of, of podcasting, if I remember it correctly, you started your private investigation business and then you started the podcast. Um, tell us a little bit more about how the podcast has helped your business, uh, especially because I know that there are people out there in the audience, maybe even some folks in law enforcement that are going to be retiring and say, I need another job and might think, you know, hey, you know, doing private investigation and podcasting may be the way to go. Who knows? But tell us about the podcast and how it's helped your private investigation business. One of the biggest ways it's helped me is just from an education standpoint for myself. I have been able to, you know, almost attend a university of talking to wonderful guests from victims to detectives, but talking to people who are forensics experts or uh, cell phone data experts or just whatever people that have been PIs much longer than me. I've learned so much. And so that has really helped me be a better investigator in the cases that I'm taking on. And I didn't really expect this, but it, it's not given me a lot of extra work, which is fine. I don't want to take on too many cases and then not do a good job with them. But it's opened up some speaking opportunities, some writing opportunities. And uh, again, I want to be effective. And if me helping other people get out there and, and do the work, is more effective than me trying to do more of it myself, then that's what I want to do. You know, I don't have to be right. I don't have to be the one doing it. It just needs to get done. Right. Right. It's a refreshing way of looking at things. <laughs> Completely agree with you 
that you know, podcasting for me has been like a, another master's degree. Um, you know, I've learned so much when it comes to, you know, public safety. Yeah. I, I wonder, you know, especially when it comes to crimes, how anybody can get away with anything anymore with DNA and a camera every place and, and cell phone pings, you know, I mean, even, you know, I was, watching uh i think dateline and some some guy was smart enough to leave his cell phone at home you know so it would look like he was still at home and that's where it was pinging but he didn't figure on the fact that once he go went through the toll road that it would register that his car went through i'm like yeah you didn't think of that one uh anyhow <laughs> let's get into to faith because one thing we haven't gotten into in this conversation is is that as you even say in your website that that first and foremost your your faith is the most important part of you and you know, that is is covered quite a bit in the podcast magazine story where we talk about that the unlovely truth is probably the only faith-based true crime podcast at least that that I know of right now so you know, talk a little bit about you know how your faith you know has helped you i mean it's being a private investigator is a tough business. Um, you see things, you hear things, you deal with things, you know, much like our public safety professionals that are going to affect you. How, do, how does your faith help you get through that? It helps me to remember that there is a greater purpose for things than what I can see. And so that's, to me, the essence of faith is being able to believe that somehow good will come from whatever situation I'm in, and I can't see all angles of this. I have to remember that something's going on above and beyond my understanding. And so in practical terms, watching how some of these victims and some of the family members walk through this, this tragedy in their lives and use it to help others. And I think, wow, if, if they can do that, how can I not? Mm -hmm. How can I not at least try? And so I believe very, very strongly that out of anything can come good. Now, that's not to say that bad things happen on purpose in order for good to come from that. I don't believe that. For me, it's all about redemption. I've been able to cover stories of criminals who have been redeemed and gone on to lead productive lives, to be helpful to other people. But it's also the redemption of the story itself. Because I do believe that even out of bad circumstances, good things can come. Those circumstances aren't caused in order for the good to come out of them. I don't believe that. But I had a woman on my show one time, her daughter had been murdered. It had been classified as a suicide, but there are a lot of things that don't really fit that narrative, mm -hmm. in my opinion. And she had gone on to become a victim's advocate. So she was walking families that were going through something similar that she'd gone through. She was walking them down that road. And I thought, gosh, how hard would that be? Because in essence, you're kind of reliving your own tragedy just over mm -hmm. and over and over again. And so I asked her about that. And she said, oh, 
it heals my heart. Mm -hmm. And I just thought again, wow, to be able to redeem what happened for yourself and then turn around and pour into others so that they can have that same, I don't want to use the word resolution, but they can mm -hmm. have that same experience that makes it all worthwhile for me. Mm -hmm. Interesting. My family, unfortunately, about 25 years ago, you know, did have a family member that uh, was killed due to violent crime. And, you know, you find yourself, you know, questioning a lot of things, you know, as to the why and, you know, why does God allow this to happen? And, you know, you get angry and so forth. Um, yeah, for, for some people, it helps. And for some, not so much. You know, and I'll, I'll go a little bit deeper into that, not in my past, but you know, in a conversation that I just had on the show um, just a few days ago, which will probably air before this episode, a gentleman by the name of, of Jason Sautel, firefighter out of Oakland, California, that, you know, was he was he was really troubled and then he found God and wrote books and, you know, he, he found for him that faith and the Lord was what he needed to heal. Uh, but as he said, not everybody goes to that space and finds that comfort. You know, they need some other comfort. Uh, and by some other comfort, I don't mean, you know, alcohol or drugs or anything like that. That other comfort is maybe a family member or therapy and so forth. Um, yeah, to, to kind of get to a question here, you, it, it's a twofold question. You, do you fall back into to that faith and does that give you that kind of that warm blanket and comfort, you know, when you really need it? And for those that are, are struggling out there, because unfortunately we do have a bunch of public safety professionals that, that, that are not okay. And the, as we talked about with Jason, you know, it's great to admit, okay, it's okay to not be okay, but then, you know, what's the next step? Do we just sit here? Oh, I'm not okay. You know, there's gotta be, okay, I'm not okay. I'm going to do something about it. Do you, do you have a suggestion? So that's a lot to unravel there, but we got time. Go, go, go ahead and go for it, Lori. <laughs> well, I don't want to give um, the impression that I'm naive enough that I think, oh, I love Jesus. And so everything's sure. always going to be okay. I know you well enough that you're not naive. <laughs> like, yeah. oh, I know Jesus. So it's all cool. <laughs> and I, I never, never want to feel, have anybody feel like I'm not cognizant that they are struggling and that it should be easy for them to just flip a switch, have faith. And suddenly you're not struggling anymore. That's not how it works. And I believe in therapy 100%. Um, we could probably all use a good dose of it. But personally in my life, I know that when I've gone through difficult times, just knowing, again, that there, there's more to my life than just my pain. There's more to the world than just the suffering that we see. That makes me able to take another step. It doesn't make everything okay, but it makes me able to go on. 
And there are days when I have said, God, why in the world? Why in the world is it like this? And I remember reading from the book of Job, you know, he got that way. Mm-hmm. And um, God got a little snarky with him. He was kind of like, oh, did you form the seas? You know, do you make the wind blow and that sort of thing? And so I have to kind of check myself and say, I don't want to believe in a God that I can 100% figure out because then he's not very smart if my mind can comprehend yeah. him. So I have to take a step back and say, okay, I'm going to trust you. That's just how I've decided to live my life. I've decided to trust you. And so somehow this makes sense to you. Mm-hmm. And somehow someone will be helped by this or learn something from this. Um, you know, there's it, kind of a gimmicky little saying that I don't mean to um, downplay anything, but it is so true. God can take our mess and make a message. When we've gone through something and then overcome it, we can speak to people who are going through that in a way no one else can. Mm-hmm. And so I think sometimes, and it, it takes you however long to get there that it takes you. I'm not saying if you had a tragedy last week, you ought to be out there helping people. Yeah, We've all got to get to a space where we're healthy enough in our own right. And it's okay to take that time and focus on yourself and your own mental, spiritual, emotional health. But when you get there or get close to that, you're going to be able to minister and speak to people in a way I can't Mm -hmm. because they're walking a path I never walked. And so I think, again, when we try to take that emphasis off everything being about us, and saying, what can I do for someone else when we're healthy enough to do that and recovered enough to do that? I think that's the essence, again, of how I can take that next step and go on and keep doing what I'm doing. Because you're right, uh, first responders, much more so than me, because I'm usually coming along on the tail end of something. They're seeing things no human being should have to see. They're dealing with emotions that no human being should have to deal with. They're getting paid very, very little to do all of these things. They're sacrificing time and holidays and important family events to do for us. And so I think that recognizing that is really, really crucial. And I hope that 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 gives a little bit of a boost to some some first responder that's listening to know that at least one person, well, two people, you and I both, we appreciate what you're doing. Um, And again, you talk about, you know, second careers and stuff. Maybe those people are going to be walking with another first responder and saying, wow, you just, you saw something rough. Mm -hmm. I've been there. And here's how I got through it. You can get through it too. Yeah. 
Well, to your other point, I'm an only child, so the world does revolve around <laughs> me. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm the youngest. <laughs> oh, yeah. So. Well, yeah, you, you, you got away with everything then. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, in my uh, personal conversations with God, I always think that he has the same Chicago attitude that I have. And, and, and when, I, when I give him kind of a snarky, really? Yeah, I, I, I usually get a, a four-letter word uh, <laughs> sentence back in, in, in Chicago speak that I don't like. But uh, anyhow. <laughs> well, I think, you know, he speaks to us where we are. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I want to encourage people. You don't have to say, oh, dearest father, thouest maker of heaven and earth. He just wants you to say, hey, I'm struggling here's here's what and he already knows but he wants you to tell him you know i know my kids love me but i want them to call me and tell me especially now that they are not around anymore um i want to hear from them he wants to hear from us mm-hmm. and he wants to hear the good and the bad and the ugly because he wants to help us yeah yeah my uh my conversations with him usually start something like yo chief um <laughs> i love that i love that but anyhow, you know, getting before you know we wind up turning this into an unexpected comedy podcast about the Lord, um, you know, for those as we begin to kind of wrap this up a little bit, you know, for those folks out there, and again, unfortunately, you know, I I know a number of first responders that have, have gone through you know some really rough times and are struggling for different reasons. Um, and while you and I will agree that that diving into your faith isn't for everybody, but it does help some that that is maybe the start of, hey, you know, it's OK to be not be OK and I'm not OK. This is where I'm going to start um, any as a faith based podcaster, as somebody that that does have that as her foundation. Are there any suggestions for those folks on on where to really start? find somebody you can talk to. If that's not a therapist, if you're not comfortable going in that direction, you know, talk to a pastor or small group leader, if that's a direction you're comfortable with, or just find a buddy and just keep reaching out. You know, if the first person you talk to just can't really seem to relate, then move on to someone who can. You need someone who's in your corner, you know, almost like an AA or an NA meeting. You need someone who not only knows what you're going through, but will hold you accountable Mm -hmm. and say, you know, we need to work you through this because I don't want anybody to live in despair. I don't want anybody to live in hopelessness. I want them to know that there are people out there who you can reach out to who will walk with you until you're okay again great point and that's uh, yeah I, I don't even have any better questions than that you know so <laughs> yeah we, we we really dug into this a little bit and, and I really appreciate it Lori before we 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 let you go you know how can people find you out there whether they want to listen to the podcast um, as you mentioned have you speak they can go to my website theunlovelytruth.com. You can listen to the podcast from there. There's a tab for that. 
there's a tab if you need an investigator. And if I don't happen to be licensed in your particular jurisdiction, I can um, get you some resources to send you to some people who are. You can, uh, there's a speaking tab. So if you've got an event you'd like me to come speak at, you can send me a little message there. And you can always email me, Lori, L-O-R-I, at theunlovelytruth.com and just ask me anything you want to. Yeah, it's L-O-R-I, not the L-A-U-R-I-E version. Um, yeah, it's been not- spelled so many different <laughs> ways. But if you want the email to actually get to me, you got to spell right. it L-O-R-I. Right. No Y, nothing like that. <laughs> but Lori, with an I, you have been awesome. I, I really appreciate you going a little bit deeper with me on the faith end and, and what you're doing. Um, and, and a great podcast as well. So thank you so much for spending some time with us today. Well, thank you. And thank you for what you do to help support those first responders, such a critical part of our society. It's my pleasure. I enjoy every minute of it. Uh, Thank you again. And thank you to all of you who have either watched or listened to this episode of Public Safety Talk Radio. And we'll be back with you next week with another great guest. Public Safety Talk Radio is produced by the POCUA. POCUA is a consortium of financial institutions serving law enforcement as well as other first responders and public safety professionals. To learn more about our association and to find one of our credit unions or service providers near you, go to www.policecreditunions.com. And always remember, if you aren't working with one of our POCUA credit unions, you're just banking with an institution that just so happens to serve first responders. As a public safety professional, you and your family deserve better. Find a POCUA credit union today.